You are listening to the Circular Economy Show podcast, which is a weekly podcast that brought to you by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, where we have conversations with the people that are making the circular economy a reality. My name is Laura, and I am here with my co-host, Seb. Hey, Laura. Hey, Seb. And today we are going to be talking to the H&M Group. Is that right, Seb? That's right, Laro. Earlier this year, there were a couple of episodes of the podcast where you got to speak to some people involved in the world of fashion, and I got jealous. So I have arranged my own conversation with someone from the world of fashion. In this podcast, our guest is going to be Leila Erta, who's the head of sustainability at H&M Group, a role that she has taken on during the course of the pandemic. She joined the company in January, well, she was promoted into this role in January 2021, And that role entails trying to execute across H&M Group's sustainability strategy across a global team of more than 250 people, including all of their efforts on the circular economy. Is this what you covered in the conversation with her? Um, we cover a range of things. So we talk a bit about her own personal journey and we kind of track H&M's efforts to redesign their entire product portfolio Um, in the mirror of a circular economy. So we track the story from their engagement in the jeans redesign project that the Ellen MacArthur Foundation ran, all the way through to the new circular design guidelines that they've brought in to implement more broadly across their product range. And of course, we also talk a bit about some of the challenges and barriers and where this is still sticky and really hard, which should come as no surprise because the fashion industry is a challenging place to implement circular economy. It is indeed, Seb. Well, let's hear more from Leila. Exactly. Let's dive into the conversation. Hey, Leila, thank you so much for joining us. I wondered if you could just tell us first a little bit about your own personal journey. What's kind of motivated you and what's been your journey to being CSO at H&M? Thanks uh, for the invite, first of all. Uh, such a pleasure for me uh, to be here today with you. Uh, my name is Neil Arthur, Head of Sustainability since beginning of year for H&M Group. Um, I've been in company about 21 years. And the years I've been with H&M Group, I had also a chance to work around the world. Uh, I work in many of our production markets like Bangladesh, India, uh, China, quite many years, and Hong Kong. And the years I spent with production, the more you get to know, you also learn about the impact that you are creating through your work, what you are doing in those markets. And in other markets, of course, we are present. So for me, being in this role, giving me a lot of insights about what we have been doing, how we can strategize even better. How could we How could we make our presence even more impactful for the people, for the planet that we are being presented in different parts of the world? And also, how can we really lead the change uh, with all the, all the years that we have invested uh, our sustainability agenda? So for me, um, uh, from day one, I've been super excited uh, about the role and uh, joining an excellent team uh, who invested in sustainability over three decades. So for me, it's been a lot about uh, transferring my practical knowledge in field to areas where we can use in uh, our sustainable strategy. 21 years, 21 years, Leila, that's, you know, you're almost a H&M lifer. Um, and obviously, I guess if you started in production, you didn't necessarily start motivated by sustainability specifically when you started working with H&M. Was there a moment when, or, or something about your experience in production that started to orientate you towards thinking about the kind of environmental impacts? 
I actually have a pretty diverse background uh, in group production. I started as assistant merchandiser, so I was not in sustainability. Then I moved to Bangladesh as HR manager. Then there I really get in, uh, get the chance to learn more about also, as I said, not only what we're doing with our great products impact, but our presence in Bangladesh. How do we connect the people, not only working within H&M group, but also their families, workers in factories, etc. So this was my first uh, light of my head like, oh my God, it is much more bigger than we, what we can do. Then I moved to China uh, as a country manager for China region. I've been chance to drive our purchasing from Cambodia, Vietnam, Myanmar, and China those days. And then also as a country manager, you have a lot of responsibility, which is cross-cutting with sustainability because you don't only drive how you do um, best price, uh, best fashion, best lead times, best on time, but you are equally responsible to secure sustainability in all terms what you're operating. So that was my quick point, basically, putting my background on coming from merchandising towards uh, sustainability lets and then really coming up like, oh, I mean, this is something I can really contribute. And from there onwards, I started seeding uh, more of sustainability. And I moved to Hong Kong, uh, worked as uh, head of purchasing for Jersey and Woven Products. During that time, also, I had chance a lot to work with sustainability department closer through the, our expansion plan, our innovation plans, our technology investment in products and supply chain, our people projects. I've been part of many projects, uh, including tents for refugee workers to uh, Bangladesh education skill development. So uh, I think through the years, I've been always have my foot and hands in sustainability, uh, which gives me also quite a good insight on what we are doing today. Uh, how could we connect the business uh, more and more? Because again, I mean, H&M, the big thing for me, the most important part for me, sustainability is not a separate agenda. It comes in everything you do. It comes in when you start to think about the product to when you deliver to our customers. So for me, we all have been in this journey, but of course, years in different parts of the world give me totally different insight and also the impact uh, that we have to create, the urgency of the impact that we have to create. So sustainability has been a topic for a long time. A slightly newer topic is the circular economy. And H&M has this 100% circular target, which I guess is part of your broader, what you look at over Layla. Um, and, that, and, and that was announced a few years ago. Where is H&M on that journey today? As I said, I think, I mean, it starts with our sustainability overall journey, I mean, which is more than 20 years. I mean, I think it was 1997 that we start with our code of conduct, which become a bigger part of our uh, initiative, sustainability commitment. And during all those years, we always look into how can we pre- how can we create healthy workplaces, healthy ecosystem, how can we work with the animal welfare? So how can we put our agendas together to make sure we have complete value chain. So for me, sustainability is integral part of everything we do. As I was uh, telling, it's inspired me quite a lot personally, but also gave us a lot of chance to land sustainability to our growth targets, to our goals when it comes to living really side by side in the entire journey. So that's why also setting a 100% circular journey wasn't a surprise. It was like expected results with everything we have done. I mean, we set our 
very clear goals when it comes to materials uh, using recycled or sustainable source materials by 2030. We have been heavily working on our supply chain to minimize our negative impact towards tra uh, transforming it to positive side. We are working on our customer-facing uh, circular business models very heavily as well. So I think when you look at the product, value chain and customer facing sales channels it was very much expected for us that we will put this together and come out that yes we will really become fully circular uh, in coming years and um i guess uh, a kind of follow-up question to that because i think um the one side of the story of what we've been talking about so far right is is the different issues that you've mentioned the ambition to be 100 circular the initiatives that H&M are driving in that space, there'll be some viewers of this uh, conversation who will say, well, there's another side to H&M, right? You're a business that has to make money to keep the lights on, to drive value for shareholders. And they'll actually find it quite hard, perhaps, when they look, walk into a H&M store to imagine, what does that look like if it's 100% circular? Because it feels quite representative of something else, perhaps a fast fashion, fashion model. What do you say to those viewers? Uh, Seb, you are stop, spot on. I mean, I'm getting this question quite frequently, but personally, I never thought H&M is a disposable brand. I mean, we always had our agenda to make sure our product long-lasting. But of course, with emergencies changing, I mean, thinking about that, the planet going to be like 10 billion people by 2050. We also understand that to provide democratic, sustainable fashion in the future, we hope we also need to ensure that there's a reduction on environmental impact and fashion, fashion industry. So for me, this is very natural transition from our side to find out how can we balance the way of working? How can we find new ways of product uh, producing and consuming uh, our products? So, I mean, I, will, I believe there is no way out more than becoming circular because if we are not able to do that, it will be very difficult to be exist. So for me, ensuring all products for last long as possible uh, and use many times to year on year, ensuring that the materials that we are using coming from hopefully less impact uh, parts uh, through innovation or technology. Our value chain operates in a way that it's become much more easier for us to measure uh, how and where we are going to. So for me, it's very much like a significant changes and challenges industry happening. We have to find out our way to make sure that we explore new circular business models. This could be today anything from repairing, rental, e-commerce. This could be anything from innovation comes to uh, recycling technologies. This could be anything to go to how do we dye the product. So for me, it's almost um, impossible without working towards this direction. This doesn't mean that we are moving out from linear model, but we are of course looking for a balancing. How could we become a more circular value chain throughout the whole processes and make sure that we drive this change in a positive side? So for me, I mean, as I said, it's a very common question coming these days, but uh, for me, H&M has been in this journey for quite many years to find out how do we drive our business in the most sustainable way. It must be a great, I mean, like, do you experience that challenge between, um, I mean, there are certain incentives, certain regulations, um, certain ways of customers accessing products now that are quite built in, like that's the mainstream, if you like. And some of the things you were describing there, rental, repair, they're not necessarily the mainstream. 
and they might cost more, they might be like slightly less convenient in some ways initially when they're kind of at small scale. In your role, do you experience that kind of tension when you're kind of having to live in an existing system whilst also trying to figure out what that, and you talked about that the only way out is a circular economy, trying to figure out how to be ready for the future, if you like. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're asking around the challenges and the cost, going to be are fully available about this. I mean, I think we all need to recognize in a way that there's a clear necessity of accelerated shift for whole industry. Strong climate action, absolute reduction of carbon emissions, innovative way of resource use, finding new ways to reach our customers. So these are, of course, a huge shifts will contribute what we want to go. But this, of course, comes with its costs, its challenges, its quality issues. So we are here to find alternative solutions, how we could overcome this by the time. I mean, I can just give an example very simply. Uh, we are talking about I mean, one of the biggest um, solution or challenge that we have to find a solution is called boilers, I mean, which is the biggest part of the emission creations in production. And here, I mean, even though that you will have all the money, all the available to change, there is no way of scale the, to be able to drive us to make this change immediately. So there we have to make sure that, I mean, we work with a roadmap when it comes to how we move from the coal boilers to natural gas, maybe, maybe biogas, but we have to find out also some other innovative ways helping us. We need to bring uh, other brands, other companies, our suppliers together with us. So we are in need of huge collaboration. So for me, I mean, uh, still experiencing lots of technical solutions, uh, challenges in many areas. I think this driving this change is, of course, uh, pretty uh, difficult. And also a brand like us, even though we truly believe in our size and scale, impossible for us to succeed ourselves. So that's why, I mean, we are continuously testing innovations. We are continuously investing new solutions. We are continuously <clears throat> investing startups who come up with solutions just to learn what are the availabilities, what are the smart brains innovating outside of our scale, then we are, of course, bringing back to our roadmaps because we know that those changes that we are talking about, I mean, take it from carbon emissions to resource reductions, uh, these are pretty um, resource or finance-oriented uh, initiatives as well. So basically, we have to find stakeholders to go with us. We have to find companies, our business partners, suppliers to accept uh, and be with us in this journey. We need to bring the innovators in the scope, but also we have to talk with our customers about this, why and why we are doing this. So it's actually all the lead the change plan has to come together with technology, innovation, investment, sharing the results, making sure that you create this collaborative uh, network around you, making sure that we are finding innovative solutions together. So for me, um, the whole circular economy discussion and how to tackle with climate without doubts is the, I mean, are the main catalysts shaping the industry and supply chains, how we need to work. And as said, uh, it's very difficult for one company to do. That's why also we are very much looking into uh, opening ourselves, what we are finding, what we are learning to all our um, mind-like brands around and also with our business partners. So Mm -hmm. challenges are out there, but we are working very hard uh, to find out also how can we overcome them. And, you know, in some ways you're hinting there at like that innovation is kind of needed everywhere, right? It's needed 
in the way some of the material inputs are grown. It's needed in the material choices and kinds of material palettes that we draw from. It's needed in collection systems and so on, and you know, it's customer engagement. I wanted to wonder if we could drill into just one area that you mentioned earlier, some of these business models that um, that H and M is playing with. And I wonder if you could just elaborate a bit on like any examples of that, or like what's kind of motivating that, and what you're finding out. Um, if you are if you are talking about innovation models, I think I can really bring up one short part. It's the loop machine uh, which we developed uh, together with Hong Kong Rita. That's the machine uh, which is a like, huge investment. Uh, the machine, what does it? I mean, you put any kind of clothes from one side and on the other side you got yarns. So this is truly a recycling machine uh, which is operating such a great role model. We had this one of our stores in Stockholm also showcasing our customers change the mindset how things can be done. Uh, but then, of course, we need thousands of loop machines around the world, right, to be able to bring materials, uh, recycled materials or like use the used clothes, give them a new lives. So for me, it's all about, again, test and drive, test and drive and learn and scale up. I mean, now I'm hearing that loop machines started to be uh, purchased with about, through our suppliers. It's coming in different brands. So this is for us great because then the cost of operating will become much more relevant that we more companies can afford. So hopefully we are contributing together resource management. If we talk about um, like business model, for us, I mean, everything starts from the basic the whiteboard. I mean, how we design the product. From that stage, we need to know uh, what is our, our ambition level about this product. So we put targets almost when we are going to design stage. Uh, why and what? Why and how we are developing this product and what kind of journey we hope to give this product. So for me, it's all about is that it innovating, scaling up, planning, making sure with the strategy, and also do showcases to inspire our stakeholders around us. And um, you know, in some ways, like the promise of some of these business models, like uh, like certainly like rental, for instance. I guess is that people can have access to like the latest fashion or have access to you know the same in many ways there's some of the same incentives that motivate them to buy lots of clothes um, without owning the materials and not knowing what to do with them at the end of their life. Is that a pipe dream or is that kind of real and a realistic future scenario for a company like H and M? The product design alone doesn't make the product circular, right? I mean, there's a need to be systems and infrastructures such as services and business models coming to place to recirculate that product in practice. And that's why also, I mean, we are continuously testing and investing in circular business models. And rental is just one of them. I think we cannot say we will only do rentals, we will only do resale, we will only do repairs. We will not give up from our linear system, but hopefully we will do our linear system or circular. So for me, it's actually everything coming together. This is also how we drive our businesses. I mean, if you look at our H&M Canada, I mean, they have been offering multi-brand solutions to customers to buy and sell their pre-owned garments with the help from third party called Reflant. Costs offer the same, uh, similar type of services in England uh, through their own platform to sell uh, customers to each other. Uh, we have so many of other activities also, like weekdays offers a curated secondhand assortments in selected stores in Sweden, with the uh, customers coming and choosing what they want to uh, sell and buy themselves. H&M has uh, its own uh, secondhand platform, which we have invested, Selfie, uh, in quite many markets right now, and it's growing 
pretty fast. We offer also H&M Take Care concept, which is uh, there's a combination of like giving services online, uh, like we can refresh your garments. So we are trying to offer variety of remodels, not only channelizing ourselves towards rental or remade. We are trying to do many of them in with many of our initiatives, try to also learn how could we how could we reach our customers in a different way? How could we give new lives to products? But also, how could we make sure that we are creating a business case around this? We are so in the beginning of this. I mean, we have to work pretty much more harder to scale for the scale up all these initiatives. I was the other day looking into what we are doing, and we are over 100 different initiatives in different markets, in different brands, touching circular business customer-facing models. And I'm truly com- comfortable and convinced that in a couple of years, they will come together to create our new true business models towards our customers. Like Selpi, like Take Care, we will channelize ourselves to make sure that we are also not only offering truly new products, but also new uh, gain second life uh, product to our customers. On the business models front, there's also this kind of slight controversy around, oh, do they create more negative environmental impacts? Because often they involve, for instance, more transportation of certain goods. Um, Do you have any comments on that in terms of what's the right setup that allows those business models to be beneficial from a circular economy point of view and and driving down um, greenhouse gas emissions? I wish uh, I wish anyone has the answer for this, and I wish that process has been going much more faster than today. I think, I mean, at least uh, what I can speak about, of course, H&M Group here, I mean, we are in a, such a learning process. We are learning from textile recycling textile technologies. We are testing a lot of dyeing processes in different parts. We are learning how we remade garments, pull back, pull pull out, and their import, uh, their impact of this. We are doing numberless of investments to understand how can we do recycling of post-consumer fabrics. So, all of them has huge potentials, but also, I mean, they are playing crucial role when it comes to how we transform our parts of business from linear to circular fashion, but also we are also understanding their impacts. And uh, all of everything you do, I mean, moving a product between countries for a remade or through a, through a linear product for coming from sustainable materials, every kind of process you create has an impact on environment, water, energy, chemical or other natural resources. Here we are trying to find out which and where or what balance we will do Minimize, how can we minimize those impacts? How can we do? How can we not use water in dyeing process? How can we move towards mm. truly renewable energy in our operations? How can we use even better chemicals? While we are developing prints and products, so for us it's really like how can we develop and scale up all these new ideas, investments in reality, and to choose which one will give us the biggest impact? Because I mean, it cannot be. It cannot be like from one day to another day, we will say, we will find a fantastic solution uh, that's minimized the impacts resource use. But we can only learn with doing this test and maximize the approach and finding what is really better second step for us, what is really better third and last step for us to drive where we want to be in 2030, 2040. And, um, you know, there's one side of this, right, which is about how do we minimize the negative impacts? A lot of businesses, and I think, you know, that's part of H&M's 100% circular ambition, are talking about how can they be positive? How can they go beyond doing less bad, whether it's regenerative or 
climate positive. What's your feeling about H&M and that kind of space about actually trying to create products that are, you know, maybe restoring biodiversity or regenerating nature in some way? I mean, we have been very clear about our goals. We would like to be climate positive by 2040, and we also have our next 10 years goal to go reduce our emissions 50%. We have we just set our goals for um, circularity, how we would like to develop the products, and then, I mean, together with the MacArthur Foundation circular design guidelines, we are also looking into even from I mean, whiteboard developing a product to production. How can we use the uh, best materials, best selection? How can we work with durability? So we are very much working on step by step how we can translate business model into something new. So for me, um, through the clean strategies, but also making sure that we have some tests, making sure that uh, we work with our partners and learning from each other, for me, the key for success. I think having our commitments outstated give us lots of both the power, but also the pressure to make sure that we are delivering. And that's why also we are doing almost everything to be able to reach that part. I can also touch base a little bit on how the product design will connect it to the total journey of the product, because I think that's such an interesting part that we have just launched. I mean, uh, we recently say that by 2025, we aim to have 100% of all our product design for circularity. This is also amazing statement to say that we will not only do CO2 reductions, we will not only work with biodiversity, water, chemicals, but we will aim that everything we develop will come into circulation again and again. So for me, creating a product, circular product means it's circular in every decision step. So I love that you're kind of emphasizing the importance of design, Leila. That's very a very strong synergy to the foundation's method. When I hear you talk about like designing all your products for circularity by 2025, my question is almost how in such a huge organization with so many products being created every year, does does H&M do that? From my side, it's all start with how we are starting to design the product in a whiteboard, because also that's why we have come to a conclusion that by 2025, we would like to have all our products designed for circularity, which will push us to think even further more how from the stage of design to uh, production, to logistics, to customer facing, every single step of the product journey, we have good understanding on our impact. So what we have done, creating a more impact more circular products means that we can also think circularity, every decision steps on the product. And also we take the ideation from drawing board to reality. And this is also the through the multiple ways could be repair, reuse, remake, recycle in our circular ecosystem. For each product, we apply circular design principles focusing on four main impact areas, which are like Environmental impact, longevity, durability, and recyclability. So what we're saying here is that uh, we developed a tool called Circulator, which has been co-creation with the H&M Group's own product teams with guidance of broad range of internal and external experts, and also which is very much realizing Ellen MacArthur Foundation vision for circular fashion industry. So we're going to use Circulator in design stage to make sure that every single product will go through a decision process in every steps. 
designers will ask themselves, is this product de designed for durability? Is this product designed for recyclability? And how we should choose materials, where we should produce, what type of finishings we should use, uh, what kind of longevity impact we are having. So our aim is that training all our designers during 2022 for circulator, we will make sure that for all our group brands, we will develop all our products for circularity by 2025. And by giving them this insight into tool progress, I believe also not only for our group, but we are inviting also the key industry players to join us, give us a feedback how we can do this together. Because I think this is such an interesting journey to find uh, what type of life you want to give the product. Because you can design the product to stay for 30 years. You can design the product to go for a recycling in a couple of years. And this is all about what your customer wants from you. But to start with this mindset, having a circular thinking, how and when does this time come? what kind of materials I should use, I think will give us a lot of learning until 2025 as well. So what we are doing now, we are in a training stage, uh, all our internal teams, we will go to, uh, we will jump uh, with our H&M brand first to use Circulator. Our first collection coming out, uh, which we develop using Circulator uh, test modules uh, next week, uh, which I think going to be amazing. So uh, I'm very much into uh, look and see how we will take that further towards the industry as well. You know, this is what you're giving us a great picture of, Layla, is like how we can make change happen, which is like a hard thing to get our heads around because, um, you know, you start off with the sort of targets and vision and now you've got a tool that you're trying to use to kind of inspire change across the experts in your organisation, the designers in your organisation. And and of course that takes time, but it's interest, really interesting to hear you kind of at some stage in that journey trying to work out the answers. My last question to you is what do you hope your kind of personal legacy will be? I mean, you mentioned you started in this role, I think, at the beginning of 2021. Uh, what do you hope your personal legacy will be? Mm. Um, my personal input here is that, I mean, we will continue to test and learn because this is for me where H&M brings a lot of not only to ourselves but towards industry because investing on technology and innovation I think it will contribute quite a lot to our journey towards circular fashion, circular business models. Without having that, uh, without finding, without supporting innovators, without finding like-minded brands with us, uh, without taking those steps, sometimes fail, but learn a lot and taking bigger steps after, I believe it will be very difficult for us to reach what we are targeting for 2030, 40 and 50. So for me, uh, I will do everything to make sure that uh, we have good structures, both our internal organization, but also um, around us through our stakeholders, uh, organizations, brand, to make sure that we are joining forces uh, because this is our responsibility towards our customers uh, and towards our planet. So my personal hope and wish that when we look look back in ten years, we said ah, we did. It was a it was a tough journey, but we made it together. Leila, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you, Seb, for inviting me. Wow, Seb, what a conversation you had with Leila. I think one of the most, I mean, she said a lot of interesting things in this conversation, but I think one, one of them was definitely when she said that 
if, a, if the H&M group doesn't become circular, it will be very difficult for them to exist. And I think we've heard this as well in some of the conversations we've had with, especially with big businesses, right? When you say what a conversation, Lara, I'm taking that as a personal compliment to the role that I played in that as well. But yeah, exactly. I think one of the things I find interesting about that story, and hopefully it came across in the conversation, is that very often we have guests on this podcast and they're talking about their ambitions or their commitments in the circle economy space. And the understandable question is, well, so what? Where's that going? Or what are they doing now? What I find interesting about the H&M story and um, my chance to speak with Layla is that they set out this ambition to become 100% circular by 2030. Now they're trying to have to work out how are they going to do it. And, um, you know, you heard in that interview them talking about this circulator tool they've introduced to measure their d the products they're designing against durability, for instance, or environmental performance, um, utilisation. And they're talking about how they're experimenting with different business models, all geared towards how do we get to 100% circularity by 2030? So it's an interesting example of how setting that ambition, setting that goal can actually drive what you do and can happen quite fast. What a great way to end and finish this episode, Seb. Um, for our audience, please make sure you stay tuned for next week. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe and share it with your network. This podcast is brought to you weekly by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, where we develop and promote the idea of a circular economy. We engage with the people who are making it happen and we mobilize solutions at scale. Um, this is it for this episode. Thank you, Seb, and see you next week. Thank you, Lara.